It is called God's Glory on Display, and I brought a few copies. This will be the one and only time I sell this in person, probably. In the lobby, 10 bucks, that's all they are. It's a small book. This is not, this is not yet. Yes, thank you, Derek, $10. Uh, this is not a book that you sit and just read all the way through. You guys can sit down if you want. <laughs> way to go front row. <laughs> I love you. So this isn't a book that you just sit and read all at once, right? This is a book of encounters. And um, it really, on my heart, I really felt like um, helping people get the revelation themselves of the oneness of Jesus Christ living inside of them. And so each chapter has an encounter that I walk you through. It has like kind of a little, a small teaching, and maybe I'll throw something that Jesus told me in there, of course. And then, um, and then there's always a revelatory encounter. <clears throat> the really cool thing about this is you don't have to read the revelatory encounter unless you just want to. You can go to a website, and I, I have recorded myself walking you through it in real time. That's kind of cool, huh? So You can just lay there and have your own encounter. You don't right. have to do anything. You, you don't have to do a thing. <laughs> I mean, you need a journal or something. You can write in this book, too. But anyway, that's it. I'm rambling. Love you. That's good, babe. Very exciting. Well, good morning. So we are in a, a series about the uh, 26 miracles of Jesus, the 26 individual healing stories. And I don't know if we're going to go through all 26, but I'm having fun. And uh, I don't even feel like this is, Mary and I were talking this morning, I don't even feel like this is a series on healing. It's just a series about Jesus. You know, and we get to look at some of these fun stories. And so one of the greatest stories about community, and it involves a paralyzed man and the friends who brought him to Jesus. And so the story is told in Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 9, but we're going to look at it in uh, Luke chapter 5. And so... I've also given you sheets uh, with the scriptures on it, and there'll probably uh, be a link online for our online audience to look at those. And the idea behind that is we're going to try to use this message to paint a picture of what happened uh, in this story. But I want you to go, and I want you to do in the week, during the week, use your imaginations. You know, we, looked, we did a message a couple weeks ago looking at how your mind, uh, your imagination is like a womb, and the word of God is like a seed. And so we need to plant those things in our imagination meditate on those so they can grow and bear fruit in our life. And so hopefully we're not just hearing good messages, but we're, I know a lot of you guys are taking these home and meditating on them so that we can actually become these people. So are we doing all right? All right, so let's read it in Luke chapter 5. we we'll are starting in verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Isn't that exciting if you were sitting there teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are there to hear you? Isn't that, isn't that great? They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. I love this. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, some, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, "Friend, your sins are forgiven." The Pharisees and teachers of the law loved this and thought, how great is it? No, that's not what they said. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Yes. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, just like that one person did here in the audience. Yes. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. That sounds like a good day in the kingdom right there, doesn't that? So let's look at this story a little bit more. And um, so this is early on in the ministry of Jesus. It's before he'd actually gathered all 12 of his disciples. So he had a couple people following them. He hadn't officially called the 12 yet. But word, of, word about what Jesus is doing is spreading everywhere. And so let's look at where the story took place. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And so I want you to picture what's going on here. Jesus is having what amounts to be like a home Bible study. Uh, he's got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And who are these Pharisees and teachers of the law? They were like the religious elite. Okay, They wanted to make sure you knew what sin was. Right? And how hard it was for you to get rid of sin and all the things you had to do, all the hoops you had to jump through. Doesn't that sound like fun? How many of you guys realize that uh, the, uh, there's still Pharisees and teachers of the law around today? They just don't have the official titles. But uh, uh, this group, I mean, they had the last word on what holiness was and correctness and religious etiquette. And here they are sitting there. These are the religious leaders. They literally spent months and sometimes even years deciding how many footsteps you could take on the Sabbath. Like they would sit there and argue about how many that you could do. They, uh, they were the ones that said, this is true, I'm not making this up. They said that if you uh, saw a gray hair in your head and pulled it out on the Sabbath day, that you had committed sin because that was working on the Sabbath because you became a hairdresser that day. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. These guys were not known for being fun at parties. Okay, there, You can see them sitting there with their sour faces and their religious looks on their face. And they seemed to be like an official delegation because they said they came from Jerusalem and Judea. They almost are, are representing kind of the, the, whole, uh, the whole movement there. And they're here they are sitting there with their distinctive clothing and their religious looks on their face, and they're investigating what Jesus is saying. They're not, they're not coming there to learn. Are you guys getting that picture there? They're, they're sitting there making sure Jesus has got his I's dotted, his T's crossed, and uh, that's kind of the atmosphere. So here's this atmosphere. You can almost feel the tension, and here's what it says. And the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, in the book of Luke, when it uses the phrase, the power of the Lord, it means the same thing as the spirit of the Lord. Okay, and so uh, here's these people sitting there, you know, just waiting for Jesus to mess up. We see in other places they're just trying to trap them and all these things. And, uh, and yet the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal them. Now, the word heal here doesn't just mean physical healing. It means uh, physical, spiritual and emotional healing. So here's the, here's the deal. These religious snobs come to test Jesus. And the heart of God is, if you will just let your guard down, I would love to heal you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, their very next phrase after these guys sitting there, uh, they came with their religious armor on for a fight, but God's agenda was, if you'll just let down your barrier, I would love to heal you on the inside and the outside. Guys, don't you just love the heart of God for people, that he loves to heal people who don't deserve it? Yeah. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Uh, it kind of raises a question, like, wasn't the power of the Lord always with Jesus to heal the sick? And um, here's some good news. Healing can be, uh, much healing can be accomplished without an unusual presence of the Lord. Okay? But sometimes there's an unusual presence of the Lord there where it's just like it feels, I'm not sure if you've ever been in one of those services where it feels like anything is possible. Like God's presence is here. All right? So I don't know if Luke's trying to emphasize that Jesus was dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit or that there was an unusual uh, amount of what was happening. I don't know. Those times when you don't feel an unusual presence of the Lord, which for me is 
most of the time. Uh, I've got some good news for you. We have a word from God that says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So you don't have to wait to feel something or work up some atmosphere. God likes to heal no matter what's going on. So here's Jesus. He's sitting down for this home Bible study. These religious leaders have got a front row seat. And outside, the crowds are growing. Word is spread about Jesus, and the crowds are building. You can see them. They might not even be able to hear, but they got their heads sticking in the, you know, they're, they're trying to get as close as they can. Some people got their heads sticking through the door, sticking through the windows. And the crowd's spilling over. And now people can't even get near the house. Okay, there's just almost like a mob scene. So Jesus, he's sitting down there, and you can picture him almost like in a conversational tone. He's having a discussion with these religious leaders. And all of a sudden, in verse 18, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat on a mat and try to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Here's this paralyzed man. His life has been limited to a three-foot by six-foot mat. Someone had to feed him. Someone had to clothe him, carry him to the toilet. They had to move him to keep him from being covered with bed sores. They had to help clean him when he soils himself. Listen, guys, back in those days, there was nothing that could be done medically. There was no surgeries, no rehab programs, no treatment centers. And at this time, this man, his life, he would just be a beggar. He would have to be laid by the side of the road and be dependent upon people who just give him a few coins each day. That's how this man made his living. So he has no money, no job, no influence, and not seemingly much of a future. But this guy had uh, something going for him that the other paralytics of the day didn't have. He had some amazing friends. I'm going to call him his Matt brothers, right? They they carry him on a mat. He is in one of the killer small groups of all time, all right? In one sense, this whole story takes place just because of his friends. Without his friends, he never makes it to Jesus. He never gets healed. He never gets forgiven, right? So here's a story of the most famous group of roof roof crashers of all time. It's the only story where a breaking and entering in the Bible ends in a healing, all right? And so one of their friends, they must have found out Jesus is in his hometown. And one of them says, listen, we can't just go ourselves. We have got to get our friend to see Jesus. Um, maybe those things they're saying about Jesus is true. Maybe he really can heal our friend. Wouldn't that be amazing? So they kinda, you can see him concocting this plot. Here's what Mark chapter 2, verse 2 says. Uh, so when they get to the home where Jesus is teaching, it's standing room only, and it says, there was no room left, not even outside the door. So you can just you get a little bit different of a picture there. Now let's look at Luke 5, 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So you can just imagine it. They hear this news, and Jesus is so close, but they can't get to him. Right? There's this crowd, and they're, they're, they're swarming everything. Then one of them gets this idea, probably the youngest guy, probably a tattooed and pierced guy. Here's the outside, the box thinker here. And he says, dudes, what if we make a hole in the roof and lower him down? Whoa. I don't know why he sounds like Keanu Reeves and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to me, but whoa. That's just that's what I'm picturing there. And they realized, listen, this is an unorthodox way to get, to, uh, to get into the room, but Jesus is here. We've got to do anything we can. And so let's put up a slide what the, um, what the roofs of Nazareth looked like at that time. Okay? This, this is a drawing. I didn't go there and take this picture, although we are going to Israel in, in three days, and so maybe, maybe we'll see this here. But the, uh, the houses in Israel at that time, they were flat-roofed, and they would have been made up of wooden cross beams overlaid with a matting of reeds, branches, and dried mud. We're going to have another picture in just a second. But you can see there's steps that were leading to the top of the house, and they used their roofs almost like a, like a veranda or almost like a porch. They would, uh, they would sit up there. And so the crowd was so large, I don't know if they, um, if they forced their way up the steps. I don't know if they went from house to house and like Jason Bourne style, like got them over there somehow. We're not sure how this happens. But one thing is they unashamedly dig a hole in the roof. Listen to it from Mark's perspective in Mark chapter 2, verse 4. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat uh, the man was lying on. So you can put the next uh, picture up. It's a picture of inside the roof of there. So you can see the wooden cross beams and you can see the matting of, the, uh, of there. And uh, let's, let's look at the next slide there. This is actually a picture of a hole in the roof. You can see it was no small task to get through this roof. It's not like, oh, here's this, like, here's this little hatch and we'll just put them down the hatch. No, they are digging their way through this roof. It's by no means, it's not easy to just rip open these slabs, but it is possible with some work. Here's my question. Um, would the insurance company file this as an act of God since Jesus was there? We don't know, <laughs> right? So Jesus is teaching, maybe he thinks it's some Jewish squirrels on the roof at first, or some scurrying happening. Well, what was going on up there? And um, the noise continues, and dirt begins to fall on their heads. Okay, and now people are trying to listen to Jesus, but they're a little bit distracted, kind of like a screaming baby in the church service or something like that. And so... Um, so chunks of dirt are falling. Everyone stops talking, and suddenly the tile rips open, and you see uh, four sweaty, grinning faces looking down at Jesus. And the four friends, they carefully lower the paralyzed comrade down into the hole, and he lands right in front of Jesus, and the religious leaders are disgusted by this. All right, Don't you just love that Jesus was not the least bit perturbed? I mean, I'll be honest. Like Sometimes you know, like cell phones go off, and I remember I was in this, uh, I'm not going to name the church, it was out of state, but we were in this church service, and if it, they, it was part of their culture to let the kids like, do whatever they wanted, it was like kindergarten recess while I'm trying to teach. Like they're running and screaming and playing tag, and the parents were fine. They were acting, it, it was like I was being punked. It, it was like they're sitting there like nothing was happening. Like they're literally running and screaming and running up and hanging my shoe and running around. And I was a little bit perturbed. I'm going to be honest with you. And Jesus, he's not even perturbed that this is happening. I'll be honest, I'll be honest if someone interrupts, you know, it cuts a hole in the roof, although we, are, we, we got those holes fixed, but, you know, a couple, a couple of months ago, actually, it wouldn't have been that hard to get through our roof. We had so many holes in the roof. But um, Jesus, he loves people so much, he's not trying to make it this perfect presentation. He just watches these four smiling faces lower this man before him. And here's verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Friend, I'm sorry, friend, your sins are forgiven. It says, Christ saw their faith. In other words, it's the faith of their friends that Jesus finds noteworthy. This is going to be interesting here. This is extremely encouraging. The faith of friends and family can release blessing to others that do not have to believe for themselves. Guys, this is super good news. I don't know if you remember, the first three miracles that we looked at here, the people had nothing to do with the miracle. The first one was the royal official, and they, he has faith for someone else, and they get healed. Then you got the demoniac manifests. Uh, and then uh, he gets healed. And he had Peter's mother-in-law. They just had a great day seeing Jesus do miracles. Like, hey, let's go get Peter's mother-in-law. She, she's just lying there, did nothing. But the faith of someone else actually got them the healing. And here's another story about that. Isn't that interesting? So I was, uh, somehow remember this story this morning. One of our children's workers, I don't know, this is maybe a year or two ago, one of our children's workers, her ex-husband calls her and says, listen, I've got like a week left to live. He's laying in bed. He's got MS. I believe he was bleeding out of his eyes or his ears. I can't remember which one. Could not get out of bed. Could not go to the bathroom himself. Lying in a hospital. So he calls his wife, and, or his ex-wife. And so she's on the children's team. And so she gets the children's uh, uh, ministry leaders together. They were praying in the hall before service. And gets some kids together. And they pray. So they go through church service. And after church, she looks at her phone. And her phone is blowing up. And it's like this guy's calling her like crazy. So she calls him. And he says, listen, after we prayed, I felt this energy come into my body. I've gotten out of bed. I went to the bathroom. So it's like, wow, this is, this is amazing that's happening. She, he keeps calling her. That week he began doing wind sprints up and down the beach, completely healed. 
no more MS. And he says, listen, I've got I've to come to this church. So he drove himself from Florida, came here on a Sunday, and uh, gave his life back to the Lord. Isn't that good news? I mean, you guys remember just a couple weeks ago, we told you the story of a single mom. I thought she had seven kids. She had eight kids. She has, has eight kids. And uh, the eight-year-old had autism. And um, uh, I mean, I'm, the kid didn't have faith. And uh, somewhere there was faith in the house that happened and all the symptoms. I've read you symptom after symptom that, uh, that uh, just rolled off of this kid. And I had a, um, a vision uh, during uh, worship last week where I just saw just lots of uh, autistic kids running around. You know, maybe that one church service was just getting me ready for uh, special needs kids running around the service. And they were getting healed. And so, uh, yeah. I remember um, some of our students went down and, uh, to the emergency room uninvited. And um, they, they wanted to pray for some sick people, and, which is a great place to find sick people. How many of you guys know that? Emergency room is probably, probably a pretty good place there. And I might have told the story recently, but I'm just remembering it again. It's so awesome. That's why I love new people. They haven't heard the stories yet. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And our online audience. Glad you're here. So they went down there. And uh, so here's a mom. Guys, you have to understand, she's, she's not coming with any kind of faith. She's in the emergency room, and she's, uh, she's pregnant, and her baby has died in her womb. And she's there to have the, uh, the baby removed for uh, dilation and curatage, a DNC. And so, the, um, so our people ask if they can pray, and they pray for her, and the baby begins leaping in her womb. Because she, she didn't come there to get healed. Someone else brought them to Jesus. So she begins yelling and screaming and is happy. Uh, another uh, lady holding a baby comes over, and she's like, what's all this fuss? She's upset by this kind of celebration. You know, it's kind of somber in the ER. And uh, so they share with her the testimony, and our, uh, our people say, can we pray for you? And she says, well, I don't believe in God. And they say, well, that's okay. God believes in you. And so they impose their will on these people. Sometimes a little boldness is good. You can be bold without being obnoxious and rude. There, there is a line. And so, uh, so they impose their will on this poor lady, and they say, what's going on? And she says, well, my baby's here. I think the baby was about three months old. The baby had a paralyzed arm, and, uh, and so she was there for the baby. And uh, they prayed, and the baby began moving its arm right there in the ER room. Guys, this is just good news. The faith of family and friends can release blessing to others who perhaps do not believe for themselves. This is good news, guys. Faith throughout the Gospels is coming to Jesus, expecting him to help. And it's interesting that neither of the four friends or the man said anything. They just put him right in front of Jesus, didn't say a word, and Jesus says, Oh, I see your faith. They didn't say the right prayer for healing. They didn't have just the right words. They just laid him at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, that's faith. Let's look at verse 20 again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you. I think it's kind of a little bit odd. Like, if I'm, I'm reading this story for the first time, and here's a guy paralyzed on a mat, and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm kind of like, oh, Jesus, yeah. I think you missed it on this one. You know, he doesn't need forgiveness of sins. He needs his legs healed, but... You know, I, I'm kind of like that. But it's interesting because, remember, part of what we're, why we're doing this series is we're looking over the shoulder of Jesus so we can learn how to heal like Jesus. We're learning how to do healing ministry the same way the disciples learned how to do healing ministry. They did it by watching Jesus. He was their theology. He was their healing training. And so if you remember, uh, we did the, a sermon a couple weeks ago on Peter's mother-in-law. And it said um, when he saw her, um, we looked up that word saw, and it meant to perceive or to discern or see what's going on in the spirit realm. Well, here's the same thing. So we're getting some clues on Jesus. Here he is teaching. He's just enjoying. But he's got an ear open to the spirit. 
And as this person's being lowered down, he sees that there's something on this man that's block, that would be blocking him from receiving healing. It's awesome. Jesus knows just what to do to give that person, to put them in a position so they can receive healing. And there's something connected to this man where there's some sin in his life. Maybe there's some shame that he's feeling. And so Jesus speaks uh, directly to it. Maybe it's some kind of shame or unworthiness to receive healing. Maybe something he did in the past. Uh, maybe something, some sin he did resulted in paralysis. We're not told any of this. But here's what we do know. The Jews of Jesus' day had an unbiblical view that if you had some sickness, it was because of sin in your life. I know there's some extreme uh, places in the church that still believe this. Remember in John chapter 9, there's a story of the man born blind. And the disciples are like, who sinned, this man or his parents? They're trying to find blame for sin, and Jesus is having none of it. He's like, it's neither one of those things, and he heals the guy, right? So not all sickness in the Bible is because of someone's sin. Okay, so don't think if you're sick, it's because of sin. But the man in this story, somehow his sickness and his, uh, and his forgiveness of sins was related here. And so Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, forgiven is a powerful word. Here's what the word means. It means to send away, to dismiss, or to remove. So here's Jesus. This guy is lowered through here. Jesus sees their faith, and he's saying to them, your sins have been sent away. They have been dismissed. They've been removed from you. Forgiveness means we've been reconciled with God. That sin that's kept you from God, it's been removed, and now you can be brought close to him, okay? So uh, Jesus' pronouncement of forgiveness, so there's tenses of verbs, right? And the tense is in the perfect passive tense, for those of you taking notes, anyone cares about that? And here's what it means. Your sins have been forgiven you. So here's the picture. Jesus is declaring to this person with authority that the sin, the sin that you have has been removed, and you are right in the sight of God. So imagine receiving this word from Jesus. Jesus. Here's Jesus speaking with authority. That sin that you have, it's been removed. You've been made right in the sight of God. And the religious people, they ain't having any of this. They aren't liking this at all. Verse 21. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so you can see the picture, it's very antagonistic there. And so uh, Jesus was from Galilee, which means he may have had some kind of accent. Remember, uh, Remember, uh, um, Nathaniel is like, uh, Jesus is from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So picture um, a stereotype redneck going into the Wall Street district of New York. Like his accent would give him away, and they'd be kind of like, who is this hick from the sticks? So here's Jesus coming in with a Galilean accent. I'm not saying Jesus was a redneck. I'm saying that was the, that was the perception of the day. Some of you got excited. You're like, oh, Jesus was a redneck. He's one of us. And so... Um, <laughs> Who does this hick from the sticks thinks he is forgiving sins? Only God has authority to forgive sins. I mean, the Pharisees had made a career out of telling people how sinful they were, and they can only be accepted if your performance reaches the sky. Right? That, that's who these people are. It's like splashing cold water in their face. Forgive sins? Like, just like that? Like, you don't have to do a whole bunch of things? Who does this guy think he is? Now, if you're reading the New Testament as if Jesus is on earth acting like God, well, then, uh, you know, it's probably not that surprising. Oh, yeah, God forgives sins. Jesus is doing that. But um, Jesus doesn't say he's doing it as God. He says that he's, um, he's going to be using authority from God. This is going to be interesting. Jesus, remember, we're looking at how Jesus did these things. Jesus is forgiving sins as a man. This is going to be scary here in a second, guys, that we've actually been given that same authority to forgive sins. Okay? You're like, Jim, this sounds Catholic. Just stick with me here a little bit. All right? So, um, but if you realize that a man is declaring that sins are forgiven, this had never been done on earth before. At that time, only God could forgive sins. So do you see why these leaders are so upset? Listen, let's, not, let's be honest. If we were there, we'd be thinking, I think you went a little too far on this one. 
No man on earth has ever forgiven sins before. So here's Jesus' response in verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. Do you remember what they believed? They believed that all sickness was from sin. And so it's like, oh, if he can heal this guy, and he's, and he's sick because of his sin, then he actually might have the authority to forgive sins. You can see they're in a dilemma. Like, like, it's kind of like Jesus has turned the tables on him here. If he's healed, then he must have been forgiven of his sins, because that's what they believe there. Verse 24, but I want you to know that the Son of Man, he didn't say Son of God, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the word authority? It's like the power of eternity, of eternity, the power of attorney, where um, it means to come out of oneself. And so it's, uh, it's like God has come out of himself into the person of Jesus and has given him this authority. So it's not, it's not Jesus' authority. He's acting on behalf of someone else. All right? So authority means to be out of oneself. Authority is always delegated. I come out of me and into you to do it. You have the power of attorney. You have the authority to act on behalf of me. Right? So Jesus stands before us as a man with the authority of God to forgive sins. Remember, Jesus is doing this as man, not as God. Let's read verse 24 again. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus is announcing that he has authority to act on God's behalf. He's not acting as God at this point. He's acting on God's behalf, and he can pronounce the forgiveness because God has already forgiven this man. So Jesus acts with power and authority of God to heal and with the power and authority of God to announce and forgive sins. Like, why is this a big deal? Guys, if we're going to see the full healing of people, we're going to have to get a hold of this, okay? We saw a few weeks ago that when you lay your hands on the sick, it's not just your hands, right? We are acting as the hands of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We're using his authority when we pray. It's never just our hands, okay? Get this, guys. In some cases, in order for people to be healed, you will need to impart to them the knowledge that their sins are forgiven. This is a little bit new for us, Okay? In some cases, in order for people to be healed, you will need to impart to them the knowledge that their sins are forgiven. God will use a voice of a human being that becomes the voice of God to assure them that they've been made right with God because of what Jesus has done. Jesus gave the apostles this authority. Listen to John 20, 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. So now it isn't just Jesus saying that humans have authority to forgive sins. He's now saying it to us. If you forgive anyone's sins... Their sins are forgiven. Guys, now the whole church has the authority to lay hands on the sick, and you have authority to speak the heart of God about the issue that you, and declare the forgiveness of sins as the Holy Spirit leads you to do this. This does not mean that believers can offer forgiveness of sins for people who have not repented or had faith. Okay, it's not like you can just walk up to, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the worst person in the world that we would all agree on. I can't think of that person right now. Um, the head of uh, ISIS. All right, like you can't just walk up and you're forgiven of sins and like they're washed even though their heart, ha- we're, not, we're not talking about that. I'm just like these blanket things where you're just wiping things away with people who have no heart conditions. But um, like I said, some of you might be getting a little nervous that it sounds a little Catholic, okay? Guys, we have some things to learn from some other denominations. It's in James chapter five, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. We're familiar with that part. You ready for the next part of the verse? If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
If we're going to walk in the fullness of the healing that Jesus paid for, we're going to have to be learn to be led by the Spirit to see that there's times where sickness and sin are connected. In order for the person to receive the physical healing, they're going to need the knowledge conferred by the Holy Spirit uh, with somebody speaking authority that you have been made right with God. Your sins are forgiven. Everyone here is commanded to heal the sick. And as you step out, you're going to have to continually deal with people's guilt. The number one reason why people don't uh, get healed is they just don't feel worthy. Like, man, I don't deserve it. I, I don't do it. And so, I, man, I, I prayed for, without exaggeration, thousands of people one-on-one. And I think the number one reason is people just, man, they know themselves. And they just, they're, they're not impressed. And they know they've got issues. And so there will be times under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you will have to say, God has forgiven you. He has sent your sins away. You have, you have been made one with the Father and uh, receive your healing. I remember there was a lady in a wheelchair, and the doctors told her she was never going to walk again. And, uh, and uh, as, as I was talking with her, I felt like you're carrying something the Lord doesn't want you to carry. And she, uh, and she realized, and just kind of doing this thing, she realized she had unforgiveness against her father. There had been some abuse. Listen, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you're saying what you did is okay. Can we just talk about forgiveness for a second? When, you, when, you, when someone has sinned against you and you say, I forgive you, you're not saying what you did is okay, it's no big deal. It doesn't mean you give up your right to even pursue legal causes. If someone has harmed your child or done something like that, pursue them to the fullest extent of the law. Justice, is, justice and forgiveness can exist. But forgiveness means I'm taking my hands off of your neck and I'm turning you over to God and I hope that you come to know the goodness of God that I've come to know. Okay? Forgiveness has more to do with you than it does with them. You're, you're, you're cutting the cord of that bitterness. You're giving up your right to hate and get even. And justice, absolutely. If, uh, listen, if your husband or spouse is beating you, you can get out of there and forgive them while you're filing a restraining order. God's not calling you to take a punch. Okay, how are we doing? Not in the notes, but maybe someone needed it. I remember another lady, uh, she came up for prayer. Uh, she had pain in her body one time. And, uh, she, and uh, she was trying to do everything she could to get healed. And uh, as I'm praying for her, I just saw myself, uh, I saw the prompting. I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, it's not your fault. And when I said that, she said, I just felt something lift off of me and all the pain left. What did she need to know? There, there was something that she needed to have conveyed with authority to her under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, she was able to receive healing. Guys, these 26 miracle stories of Jesus, he never did it the same way. There was never this formula for it. He was the master of hearing from God what they needed in order to receive everything that God wanted them to have. That's what I'm trying to get us out of this. Jesus, uh, Jesus as a man, said this in John 6, My words are spirit and they are life. When we say what God is saying, the Holy Spirit rides upon our words, and those words hit at a whole different level. And the Holy Spirit's inspiring you to say, Friend, your sins are forgiven. God has forgiven you. You've been made right. The Holy Spirit rides upon those, and they're not just words anymore. They become life and peace to that person. We can't create forgiveness. I can't make you forgiven. We cannot forgive those that God has not forgiven. We can't bless the God, those that God has not blessed. We can simply declare the divine fact and not create it. Are we okay? Verse 24, but I, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Boy, that had to be a sight. I've probably only seen this one time when we were doing a, a healing meeting in Uganda, and it was a pastor's meeting during the day, and then it was a crusade at night. 
And so I was doing the pastor's meetings. I remember it was, uh, it was, a, it was a metal tin roof, and it went to this peak. And at the peak, it was about six feet tall, and I'm 6'3". And so I'm teaching, I'm teaching like, like in a squat position for hours, and my head is like purple. I look like, like a, a radish or something like that. And we had to wear sport coats. And so I'm, I'm melting. You know, I'm losing weight through my armpits. And so we're just, um, and so, I, so I'm teaching, you know, like this, you know, for hours. And, um, and they brought this guy in. He just, he just looked like just bones. He was on a, they carried him on a mat. And they put him on the stage. And we we're uh, doing an activation. We we're praying for different people. Now the corner of my eye, I catch it. And um, this guy, I mean, he still looks like a stick figure. But uh, nobody praying for him. Just somehow, whatever was going on there, he heard the good news about Jesus, put his faith in Jesus. And he gets out of his mat, gets up his mat, and he kind of shakes himself off. And then he just begins dancing in place. And it was kind of like, like everyone kind of had this collective, like, we're all kind of noticing around the same time. And it was like, isn't that the guy that they brought in? And great rejoicing went through the place. If this man has been paralyzed, it's obvious all of his money, muscles would have been atrophied. So Jesus not only cures paralysis, but he throws in some muscle tone as well. So here this guy, he stands up. He lifts his mat off the ground, and he folds it up. This guy who spent his whole life on that thing. His whole life had been three foot by six foot. And now his world is enlarged from three foot by six foot to as far as his feet could carry him. Not just his body has been healed, but his heart also. His soul also. Every sin has been forgiven. He's been made right with God. Physically, relationally, spiritually, this guy is the healthiest person in the room. In verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I want you to imagine when this guy is an old man. He's like 80 years old. Uh, sorry for any of your 80-year-olds. So 100. Let's just make it 100. All right? Yeah, I'm 51 now. 80 is not as old as it used to be. All right? So imagine when this guy's old. He's 100 years old. The other members of his small group, the other four guys, are using canes and walkers, but his legs are working just fine. He's still got the energy. His legs are running strong. One by one, the man's, uh, man's friends begin to pass away, but every time he looks at that mat, he remembers he was part of a community that was really something special. He was part of a community that was willing to crash through a roof for him. His greatest uh, gift, humanly speaking, wasn't his legs, it was his friends. Guys, there is no gift like the gift of community. This world is filled with people who have their own mat, people who are hopeless, helpless, overwhelmed, no solutions. And uh, maybe some people in the room today, and maybe some people listening online. Listen, guys, God does not require for you to have all the faith yourself. He knows our weakness, and we can stand on behalf of other people. Some of you got a negative report from a doctor recently, and that report is ringing in your ears. I've got some good news for you. We don't say that you have to have all the faith. We will help carry the mat for you. We will surround you. We will be the four people that carry you to Jesus. So Zion, you are a church of Matt brothers and Matt sisters. We are people who bring people to Jesus to have their bodies, souls, and spirits healed by Jesus. Zion, we're going to not just be that place, but we're going to be those people. Okay? Someone has to take these truths, meditate on them, let them stir you, and move you into action. Guys, we're on like week 14 in a row of healing. And we can't just sit here and hear these things and go, this is good. I agree with these things. I'm... I'm I'm imploring you to take these stories, let them come alive on the inside, see yourself as Jesus, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. We're not just admiring Jesus and going, look what God can do. We're saying, look what a man in right, he was God, but he laid that aside. Look what a man in right relationship with God can do, and now I can now do these same things if I were in these situations. 
And we begin to meditate on these things till it becomes life on the inside of us when we go out and we heal the sick. I was looking at some uh, healing notes this week, and uh, j- just from the past, I came across two stories from my mom. I thought this was interesting. So mom, when, when this happened, she was listening to the healing teachings. She was getting all stirred up. Hi, mom. She watches every week. Hi, mom. And so um, and she's listening to these things. Uh, yes, anyway, so... We're always joking, like there's all these views. We've had 9,000 views on, uh, on YouTube just this month, in the last month. Yeah, so it's like people outside, are, it's bigger outside than it is inside. I always tease them. It's, it's my mom. She's watching it like 9,000 times, you know. It's a, that's where all these views are coming from. It's just that one address in Michigan. And so, but um, she's listening to stuff, and something is hitting her in a different way. Something's stirring on the inside of her, and it was like she just, it had to become reality. She couldn't just listen. So she's like, God, I, I'm, I'm ready. Like, this, bring me an opportunity. And so a woman she was close with, um, she has, has a baby, and the baby's head was growing faster than the body. And so the doctors are giving worst-case scenario. They're, they're saying very scary diagnosis to her. And so she asked my mom to pray. Mom says, of course, I'll pray. I'll go to the doctor with you. So mom prays, and they go to the doctor. And when they went to the doctor, the doctors could no longer find anything wrong. And so they, they were, yeah, yay God, they're rejoicing over this thing. And so as mom's sitting in the uh, waiting room, there's another lady there. She's nervous, and uh, she's got a, a baby. And the baby had a narrowing of the throat and had reflux problems. And so very scary for your child. And so mom says, can I pray for you? And uh, the lady received prayer gladly. And, uh, and so they pray. And so mom's out in the parking lot, and the lady must have had her appointment. And she comes running out, and she says, we just got the report. The doctors can't find anything wrong with the baby. Yes. Everyone in this church is going to uh, cross that line where this is no longer just a doctrine that you agree with, but it's become this is who we are. This is our identity. We are people who, as we are going, we, uh, we preach the gospel. You know, you don't have to preach the gospel with words all the time, but sometimes you've got to use words. And, um, but uh, this is not a tool that you're tucking away for later, later. This is something that we're pursuing. We are becoming the people that Jesus, uh, a church of word and deed, Okay. <clears throat> The church, this church is the research and development department of heaven, which means sometimes we'll try crazy things and we won't always get it right. But when we do, it will be spectacular. It will be wonderful. And uh, yeah, but I mean, we've seen things in this past 14 years. I tell you what, I, I don't know of another church that has as many dead raisings as we do. We don't have a dead raising training. We have people all the time are asking us, how do you have a dead raising training? Guys, the only, here's the only thing we've got going good for us is we help people get their eyes on Jesus. That's it. There, um, there's better teaching other places. There's not better worship. We do have the best worship here. And so there, there's, there's better buildings. There's better sound systems. But um, what we have going for us is we, as leadership and as a church, recognize uh, the only good thing we have in our life is Jesus. And we're pushing people towards that. When we're discipling people, we're not discipling people. We're like, we are these black belts, and we're not going to pass on these goodies to you. No, no, no. We're connecting you to the vine. We're helping you get connected to Jesus so you're learning from him. And so that's, that's, that's our version of discipleship. So um, I'm trying to read my handwriting. I wrote down some things during worship here. I'm closing with this story. If I can remember what the story is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone just told us this yesterday. We had a healing training yesterday. And so there was a lady. Uh, I think she lives about an hour and a half, two hours away. And so she had heard one of the healing messages uh, from this church and began telling all her friends about it. And so she's listening to it, and I guess during the message, I said something like, uh, if you have a part of your body that needs healing, take the authority that God's given you, put your hand on that part of the body, and just pray. 
And so I think we must have like ended the service like that. And so she had a thyroid condition. So she'd been on uh, thyroid medication for either 20 or 25 years. So let's just say 20 years. And every month she would go and get reports and her thyroid levels are always bad and she needed the medicine, right? And so she, here was her word. She said, I just kind of prayed this flippant prayer. And uh, she said, it wasn't that I didn't believe. It's just she didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. How many of you guys know faith doesn't have a whole lot of effort? Jesus did all the effort, and we're saying, thank you, Jesus. So she lays her hand on uh, her thyroid, wherever that is in the body. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, where, she, right here is your thyroid, in case you're wondering. Thank you, Rachel. And so uh, she lays her hand and, the, um, and prays. And so the next time she goes to get her, um, I guess, this is just like a couple weeks ago. She goes and gets the, the monthly report, and all her numbers are normal. And so now they're weaning her off of the medicine. Yeah. And so, yeah, she only heard one message. And so she spreads this message to her friends. Her friends are, like, listening to this message, and they go out to eat. And, uh, and so, like, like, healing was brand new to them. It was not part of the church that they were up in. It was as a brand new teaching. So they just hear one message, and they go out, and, like, we got to pray for somebody. There's something active on the inside. So they, they got the waiter or waitress, whatever it was. They had something wrong with their leg. And they said, can we pray for you? And the person's like, well, I guess so. And so they pray, and the person says, I'm feeling heat running up and down my leg. And their leg gets completely healed. Yes. And so um, if you guys could stand up, we're going we're gonna to lay hands on ourselves here. But first, we're going to go through a little time machine. Does that sound good? Like, hold on, what does that sound like? I think you'd be a little more excited about the time machine, but maybe you're just, you've been sitting for a while, and you're just uh, breaking off the rust. You guys have been given authority to heal the sick and to forgive sins. And so here's what I want us to do. First of all, I want us to, let me just speak this word over you. Okay, so just maybe close your eyes and just receive this. Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Lord has sent away your sins, and you have been made right with the Father because of what Jesus has done. So imagine we had a time machine, and we were able to go back 2,000 years ago, and we're standing in the crowds where Jesus is healing the multitudes. Every person who comes to him was healed. Now I want you to picture you're next, and you're standing in front of Jesus, and I want you to feel the willingness of Jesus to heal you. <laughs> I love it. It says, this same Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he does not change. Uh, what he does for one, he'll do for another. And so I want you to just see those eyes of Jesus and just know if you were in those crowds, he would heal you. Now, if you have a part of your body that needs healed, I want you to, uh, to pray a flippant prayer. <laughs> to just take that willingness of God and take that authority that's been given to you. Authority, you don't have to feel it. You just have to believe it. You've been given this authority. And so whether it's your thyroid, your kidneys, your pancreas, your knee, your neck, your eyes, your teeth, whatever's going on, and, uh, and I want you to just pray for yourself. Nothing more than five words. Shoulder be healed. Pancreas be normal. Whatever it might be. And so on the count of three, just, just pray it out loud and then pray it in the name of Jesus. Shoulder be healed in the name of Jesus. Whatever that might be. Just short prayer and just begin to check that out. Thank you, Lord. If you're online, I encourage you. If you're driving in your car, whatever it might be, I just encourage you. Put your hand on there and just begin to check it out. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we've been given authority uh, because of what you've done on the cross. We can step into your authority, the Father's authority, to heal the sick. I pray for a new courage, a new boldness, and new eyes to see people who need it. 
Lord, we're not going to feel pressured to pray for every sick person that we see. But, Lord, we're going to be open to the ones you're leading us to. We're going to be open to the ones who complain to us about their sickness. And we're going to go, hey, you know what? Hope this doesn't sound crazy, but our church is seeing a lot of people healed. Can I pray for you? And we're going to step across that chicken line. And we're going to pray for people. And we're not going to get it right every time. But when we do, it will be spectacular. Lord, I thank you for a group of people who are moving from theory to action and from action to transforming this city. Lord, I thank you that uh, little thing, like that, uh, a little leaven spreads through the whole batch of dough. And Lord, our city is being infected with a Jesus virus through our people. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As we're getting ready to close, we're going uh, to honor somebody here who's uh, uh, been with us for a while, and they're going to be moving into a different